0: I hear a lot of people criticizing the leaders of various governments around the world for not acting fast enough, for not acting decisively enough. Sometimes I hear people say we should have more ventilators, we should have been more prepared, we should have more testing kits. I wish we were acting faster and more effectively, but you will not hear criticism from me on leaders in this situation, leaders and people in authority in situations like this, in places where we simply haven't had the experience. And if people think the solution for the next time is that we have more ventilators, we have no idea what the next problem is going to be, what the next crisis or big transition that we have to make is. And so to learn from what happened, the, the low-level detail... Look, first, I got to say, I hope that we get enough ventilators. I hope that we get more masks. I hope that we help the people that need help and, that our, uh, and our medical system is able to help people that need help and that we recover from this. But if the lessons that we learn is to have more ventilators and more face masks when the next thing that the environment dishes out at us or the next thing that we cause through our overpopulation, and through our environmental, treating the environment like it's just something that we can dominate. If what we learn is to have more ventilators for the future, we have not learned our lesson. This is why leadership I consider the most important issue, not in the very, very short term. In the very, very short term, follow the advice of the experts in pandemics and things like that. But in the long term, I believe humans have made it through bubonic plague, 1918 flu, polio. I'm pretty confident that we're going to make it out of this without all of us dying. And that we're going to be fine in a certain timescale. But I also know that this has been predicted for generations, that there'd be pandemics because of overpopulation and because of overtraveling. If we want to learn from this, it seems to me leadership is the biggest thing. How do we handle crises in the future? And this brings me to the Bay of Pigs. I don't know how many people out there listening to this are that up on the Bay of Pigs. I'm not that up on it myself. I'll put a link in the printed part to a couple articles that I've recently read, and you can look it up on Wikipedia, and the Cuban Missile Crisis also. So for people who don't know, and I'm going people who know better, please let me know what I, what I get off on this. It was the height of the Cold War. Castro was in Cuba. The United States and the military had the, you know the old way of looking at things, the current at that time way of looking at things. It wasn't old at the time. it felt current. Well, we had defeated Hitler. We defeated Hitler by standing up to him, not by appeasing him. And so the idea of dictatorship, whether communist or fascist or whatever, you got to stand up to them. You can't just simply appease them. Castro comes to power in Cuba supported by uh, Khrushchev and the Soviet Union. This doesn't look good for the United States. Maybe this will lead to communist revolutions throughout Central America, South America, maybe coming to the US. So it's the height of the Cold War. The model is we got to fight dictators and fascism or communism with military. We can't just back down. Kennedy gets elected, wants to appear strong because of the view of the world. He doesn't want... There was a plan that had been developed, I believe, in the CIA that is now called the Bay of Pigs Invasion. That was to send in a group of people who had left Cuba, anti-Castro Cubans who are now outside, to secretly help them overthrow Castro. And I think there are also separate plans to assassinate him, throw that in with the mix. The general picture was that there were lots of experts. The Joint Chiefs of Staff and the CIA came up with a plan and supported a plan to invade, topple the regime, and overthrow Castro. As it happened, it was horribly mismanaged. I don't know what all the causes, but it was well known ahead of time what was going to happen. Castro took steps to avoid the worst disasters that could have happened to him from his perspective, and it ended up being a horrible black eye for the United States, for Kennedy. The Cubans who went in to invade were just, it was a total disaster. Nothing intended came of it, There's stories of Kennedy crying with uh, his wife, Jacqueline. It was an unmitigated disaster. However, Kennedy learned from it. And one of the things that he did was to get, among other things, he worked with a, I forget his name. He was, I believe, the guy at Yale who came up with the term groupthink. And among other things, he brought that guy in to teach, how do I learn how to handle crises more effectively? How do I learn how to, well, what he did with the Cuban Missile Crisis. So now fast forward a couple of years. The U.S. finds that the Soviet Union is building a nuclear capability that is putting missiles into Cuba. This becomes the Cuban Missile Crisis because it will take seconds, maybe minutes, for an atomic weapon to go from a missile to go from Cuba to places in the United States. And they could reach most of large parts of the United States, including Washington, D.C. And so what could be done? And so the military said, as they did with the Bay of Pigs, we know what to do. We told you what to do Actually, I should go back a step. I, I think the general understanding, I may be oversimplifying it, was that the, the CIA and the military said, we know what to do. Just sign here. We'll take out Castro. Problem solved. That's oversimplifying. But I believe that with the Cuban Missile Crisis, they also said, we know what to do. We know where they are now. We got to act quickly, decisively. let us We'll take it out. Just sign on the form. Problem solved. And Kennedy said, wait a minute. Let's hold back. As it turns out, there were dissenting voices in the Bay of Pigs. He just didn't listen to them. And in this case he brought in people he disagreed with, people with different views. And they worked really hard in trying to figure out how to resolve the situation. Actually, if you watch the movie 13 Days, I think it's a dramatized version, but I think it shows some of the key parts of it. I don't think it's been criticized as being really off. And I found it a very entertaining movie. He didn't just do what the experts recommended. And he brought in people he very strongly disagreed with. And he tried to figure out other things to do. And it worked out to be one of the great coups, I think the United States looked great in this situation, We averted nuclear war. Actually, what they didn't know then, that we do know now, was that the missiles were armed. Moscow had delegated to Cuba that they could launch. People at the time thought we were a hair's breadth away from nuclear Armageddon, possibly the end of, of human life. We were actually far closer than they knew at the time. Anything off could have actually started a war that would have escalated, no doubt, to everywhere. That didn't happen. Part of that was because of the Bay of Pigs. What he learned from there, what he learned as leadership, conflict resolution, crisis management, how to work with people that you disagree with, how to get differing opinions, how to get the people like that to work together, teamwork, things like that. Look, it's important to have ventilators and to have face masks. And I hope that we will get inoculations to stop this from spreading and to cure this. But ultimately, this is uh, the bigger picture is that this is a social and emotional issue. It's our behavior that's creating a world where viruses can grow so quickly. The lesson to learn here, and the opportunity, if you want to look at it from a Machiavellian perspective, is to lead through environmental problems. This is not the last. This is, as I said many times, scientists have been projecting for not years, not decades, generations. They've been saying overpopulation, over travel will create a world where viruses and pestilence can spread. They've also predicted, as you know, global warming, and as you know, pollution, as you know, deforestation, and these things are happening, and we're not learning from them, but we could learn from them. I don't like people suffering and dying, but that's happening. We can learn from this, and that is the big opportunity. As a coach, I coach people in leadership, and I try to get them to move in a direction of how to coach through environmental issues. People get, generally, leaders get, they don't have to know all the answers to things. Leaders rarely know all the answers. Situations that call for leadership are situations where people don't know the answers. The, The thing is not to say, I know exactly what to do, or even to know exactly what to do, but generally to say things like, we don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do here. I don't think anyone else does. Let's get together and figure this out as best we can. Teamwork generally outperforms individuals. So you'll get some experts, but experts disagree on what to do here. We don't really know what to do. Leadership gets people together to figure out those solutions. In other areas, leaders know to say, I don't know all the answers is a sign of strength. It engages people. It gets people on your side. It gets people working together. Somehow in the air of the environment, people feel like if I don't know all the answers, I'll just hold back and not really do anything. Or they feel like, well, if I'm flying around too much, and I've heard this from like top leaders, I don't think I can say anything here because I'm flying around so much and it's so important for my job that I can't do anything. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, not saying you clearly don't know the answers and saying that you're not perfect is the starting point. I don't know the answers. We all don't know the answers. Is no but in the area of the environment, people don't do this. But that's that humility, that starting point to learn and to engage, that's where we have to be. That's where I believe we should be. That's where I believe that we can make the most progress, we can solve the most problems. This particular crisis, this particular transition has its own unique issues. As we see, the cultures that have learned from SARS and from MERS, they've acted more effectively, I believe. That's history will show. But they seem to have acted more effectively than places that have not had that experience. But some things are the case for all crises. We have to learn from these things. This is an opportunity. If you want to lead, if you want to help solve these things, the skills and experiences and beliefs that I think are most important are ones like what Kennedy learned in the Bay of Pigs or from the Bay of Pigs what we can all learn about bringing people together to work together to resolve crises to solve to to manage conflict to bring dissenting voices together and to learn from history yes get more ventilators yes figure out how to distribute food most importantly do not think that this is the last crisis that the environment is going to give us in fact the next the next one will be smaller, but bigger ones are to come and they'll be overlapping in the future. Environmental leadership, the skills, experiences, and beliefs of environmental leadership, that is what's missing right here. That's what we this is this is the time. Generations ago would have been a great time. Now is the time to develop these social and emotional skills of leadership. That's what I teach, that's what I coach. I'm more than happy to help anyone develop these skills to help anyone develop the ability to get others to develop these skills through experience, not just reading and writing, not just listening to my voice. you got to practice this stuff. Anyway, this is what I believe is the top thing to learn from this crisis. I mean, there's the minute to minute stuff, the day-to-day stuff. Yes, that's very important. In Stephen Covey's words, that's quadrant one, I think, the important urgent things, but we also have to focus on the important non-urgent things. That's where meaning, purpose, and value come from. I hope if you're into that, contact me. Let's do this together. I'm just talking to microphone now, but the idea is to build community of effective leaders.